What number is this, Chip? Zilch 186. 7A is in the house with Glenn Gretland as we talk pretty much your standard ranch stash 50th anniversary edition. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Okay, no, I mean, like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. Today, we are joined by the president of 7A, the leader of 7A, the uh, the head honcho, the man in charge, the big cheese, Glenn Gretlin from 7A Records. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, sorry for my super hyperbolic intro there. but uh, That was a very posh intro. Very much too posh. posh. Much, much too posh. And... Uh, Speaking of much too posh, we're here to discuss the newest release from 7A. Resplendent in gray vinyl and also on CD is Michael Nesmith's Pretty Much Your Standard Ranch Stash, the 50th anniversary edition. This is a fun one. Yeah, it's one that I've, uh, it's one of my personal favorites that I uh, always wanted to, to reissue. And when I found out that uh, nobody had done it uh, in a long, long time. Um, you're probably talking sort of 20 years since. Yeah, it's been part of various box sets and what have you. But you know, a standalone release, uh, you know, I think there's been you know probably 20 years or something like, since there's been a proper standalone reissue of this album, and um, it was not available anywhere on CD or vinyl when I looked, and I just felt um, with the anniversary coming up, I felt it was such a shame, and it had to be out there available in, in physical formats for people to buy. And it had to be on 7A. Yes, I, I'm really grateful that Sony licensed it to us. And um, it's um, we just did the best job we possibly could. And we, 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 um, we, we got the original photographs from the photo session and we got Maurice theme, the alternate version as a bonus track. And uh, really threw everything at it, everything we could do to, you know, include in the CD booklet. And um, and, and, and Andrew Sandoval did the liner notes. Um, so um, it, it's, it's, in my opinion, a, a very, very uh, nice package. And we tried to do everything with it we could. Exactly. And here is from your press release. Is it okay if I read this? Yeah, absolutely. All right. 7A Records are proud to announce the 50th anniversary edition of Michael Nesmith's pretty much your standard ranch stash album. The album includes a bonus track, extensive liner notes, and session details by the Andrew Sandoval, as well as lyrics to all the songs. This album was originally issued in 1973. It was Michael's sixth album of his post-Monkey solo career and the last one for RCA Records. Uh, it says here that Nesmith's time with the monkeys was well and truly in the rearview mirror, and he needed a new place to live and work. He caught the ear of Jack Holzman, head of Electra Records, and a path forward miraculously appeared, realizing that most of the record companies at the time didn't understand country rock. Nesmith convinced Holzman to start a new label, Countryside. 
Nesmith would run the label, put together a house band, and produce albums by various up-and-coming country artists. Unfortunately, most of the new label's releases didn't make much of an impression, and Nesmith soon started to contemplate his own music again. Aided by the power of his countryside house band, he quickly crafted pretty much your standard ranch stash, a full and final RCA album. Despite its commercial sheen, Ranch Stash, which is a nice smaller name for it, wasn't a success sales-wise, and it became a closing remark to a heavy chapter in Nesmith's life. A final adios to Monkey Mike, to the Cosmic Cowboy, and to his family as he moved further on up the trail. Included on this 50th anniversary edition is the 1973 alternate version of Marie's theme. The vinyl version is a gatefold sleeve and printed on 180-gram gray vinyl. The CD comes with a 36-page color booklet. Both the vinyl and the CD include extensive liner notes and sessions info by Andrew Sandoval, as well as lyrics to the songs. So that's a nice little bullet point there of the whole thing. Yeah, and I, I have to sort of just um, give credit where credit's due. A lot of the info that you just um, mentioned, uh, quite a lot of that is from uh, Sandoval's uh, liner notes. Um, and it was a real eye-opener to me. There was a lot of information that I, stuff I didn't know about this album. And um, and Andrew has really included a, a brilliant, brilliant sleeve note. Agreed. And it goes pretty deep. And uh, as with all things that Andrew does, it's uh, it's worth its weight. You know what I mean? It's really good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the personnel on this album before we dive into it a little bit. Uh, we've got Michael Nesmith on vocals, acoustic rhythm, and 12-string guitar, Jay Lacey on electric guitar, Dr. Robert K. Warford on electric guitar and banjo. I'm, he's, a, he's a doctor, for God's sakes. Uh, <laughs> David Berry on piano, The Great Red Roads on pedal steel and the dobro, Billy Graham on bass and fiddle, and Danny Lane on drums and percussion. It's a, it's a great lineup. And what do you think of this album overall? How does this one hit your ears? Personally, it's one of my favorites, uh, and um, especially the side side A on the vinyl, the, the first side. I think it's got some real killer tracks on it. Um, the the lineup that you just mentioned, the personnel details, that was the the typical uh, house band from the uh, the studio that that Electra Records gave Nesmith to to work with, and they're just a really tight band. You you couldn't get you know many better musicians at the time. And it's got a special sound to it. It's a different sound to, to some of Nesmith's other albums. Uh, Sandoval mentioned the commercial sheen that you, you might hear on some other tracks. But um, it, it's, um, it, it's just different. But it's got some of his stronger songs on it. It's got some of Shelley's Blues. And it's got the wonderful Winona, if you're aware of that song. It's a great song that he co-wrote. So it's got a lot going for it. I agree it does. And as we've mentioned, this was the last one for RCA. And... I think that sometimes Michael's catalog is a bit standoffish to newer fans in the sense that if you're coming into this, where do you start with Nes? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Do you just yes, get a I compilation? Do. Yeah. do you do you jump in on Infinite Dogma? Where do you come in on? And then there's things like The Prison, which may be confusing to some people. And then you've got these albums as well. And I think that this is just part of the myth and the story and the truth of Michael Nesmith, uh, this this idea of having a house band that would do all these different albums was really amazing. As a matter of fact, there have been people on the Zilch 
podcast Facebook group and also on our actual website that have said, when is 7A going to release these countryside albums? <laughs> and, I mean, it's it's probably hard to find them. You know what I mean? Possibly. I mean, a lot of them were singles. I know there was a couple of full albums as well, but most of them were single releases. Red Roads did a very good solo album. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it, it you know, it, it's there's so many albums we'd like to do, and and we tend to only do one release at a time, and um, it's still the case that one album pays for the next. So we have we have to see how things sell. Someone actually suggested a countryside compilation or box, which who knows? But uh, that that could be an interesting project, perhaps down the road. I'd like to do a little bit of talking about the cover. This <laughs> was always an interesting cover to me. You've got Mike winking, and you've got over in the corner, it says, buy this record. Now, I know when it was released on CD a while ago, we've seen it where it also said buy this CD, right? Yeah. Perhaps when you release it on MP3, you could have buy this MP3 in that spot. (laughs) (laughs) But you've uh, you've actually created a really nice packaging. I'm right now looking at the CD, which I'm holding in my... Would I be able to tap it like that if I didn't have it? Uh, but this is a really cool-looking cover, and I love how the artwork, whoever designed the artwork for here, uh, how they have like the some of the color choices are. Yeah. Are, well, the, I don't know if you, I don't know if you got a copy of the original, but the, the original release actually had those colors on the back. Tim Johnson, our designer, you know, has to. I have to give credit for this because he did a wonderful package. Um, I think he always does, and but I, I said to him it'd be nice if you could try and retain some of those original colors. Yes. And he just um, absolutely ran with. I mean, and the other nice thing about it is that we got all. I think we got pretty much all of the pictures from that photo session, um, and and we've we've included quite a few of them as you can see. Yes. If you look at the images, like look at them fast one by one, it's almost as if Nez isn't actually winking at you in real time. <laughs> But it's such an iconic cover. It's a, it's a great cover that really grabs you. And um, the other photos from the session are great too. And that's why we've, we've, we've tried to include as many as we could. And I love that you have the uh, photo by Norman Sheaf, the photo session that he did that was based on the painting Hylias and the Nymphs. So yeah. you've, you've retained that with the dog in the back. Yeah, you're not allowed to show that picture on Facebook. You'll get banned because it's got some nudity in the picture. <laughs> but not Nez. No, not him. <laughs> and you have it in the, we got the picture in this booklet. It really does give a modern spin on the packaging and what you got in the original album. It definitely brings it up to date, especially with Andrew's great liner notes. So if you want to read about that time in Michael's life, this is definitely something you're going to want to pick up. I mean, the book alone. Uh, you know, even though it's just in this side of a CD thing. One of the things I love about this is that where the CD booklet is stored, it's a very heavy cardboard around it. And seriously, that's a touch of quality that you don't get on just everything. Uh, yeah, we just, I mean, we've been working with the manufacturers on getting the, the, the best possible. Uh, the, the max size of the booklet we could possibly fit in there is 40 pages. And this one is 36, so we, we, we pretty much, you know. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to mention is the mastering, because obviously the, the music is the, the, the important thing. Mm-hmm. 
we've spent a lot of time and money and effort on, on getting these masters to sound as, as great as we possibly could. And it's really nice to see people online talking about um, the sound of them and, and how, you know, comparing them to the originals and some, some people saying that they even sound better than the original vinyl issues from the 70s. And that's really nice to hear because that is an area where we spend a lot of time and money trying to get everything to, to, to sound as good as we can. And um, that's really what we want to do. So it's, it's great. And hopefully more people will agree. I have to concur that these do sound really good. I spent the better part of the day listening to this uh, in preparation for this show. And I was struck by the choice of the opening song, you know, and just yeah. how the album kind of flows. This is seriously a country album. And when I say this, I hope people can understand because when you say country nowadays, whatever that means, it almost sounds like the Backstreet Boys more than it does, you know. It's completely different nowadays. Yeah, yeah it's a completely different world. This is the kind of country that I grew up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Stand By Your Man and Johnny Cash and all that stuff. This fits right inside of all of that. And, you know, Nesmith was right. They didn't understand country rock at all, even when it blew up around them. I mean, you take a look at like the Eagles and Pure Prairie League and so many other things that happened, you know, whether it was the birds and all the stuff that happened leading up to it, along with Michael Nesmith. Nobody really understood it. And, uh, no. you know, people like Waylon Jennings and all of those cats that yeah. smacked a lot of people upside the head. They weren't ready for what was coming. Nesmith was riding that wave. 100%. And it's amazing to think that he, at this point, was kind of on the ropes in some ways, but he got this deal set up to do these albums, and he pretty much moved into this small little place. And the, the booklet talks about it. One thing I didn't realize until the other day, I, I spoke to Bill Chadwick the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably know Bill Chadwick. Um, and he, he said to me that he actually helped build that music studio in the hills. So that was actually his work. He, he helped set everything up. He helped build the studio physically, you know, nail and hammer, build the walls, everything. Amazing. Um, and I didn't realize that. But Mike uh, picked up family and grabbed his toothbrush and guitar, <laughs> yeah. set up an amp in the living room, and there it was. Uh, you know, Bill Chadwick is a good guy, and it's been a nice revelation over the years as he's kind of come out on social media. And uh, I want to encourage folks to check out his photo site. We will link it in the show notes. Uh, I bought a print of Peter Tork and George Harrison together that was just fantastic. So thank you, uh, Bill Chadwick. Uh, glad to be part of this with you. So Nesmith is is here doing this album, and if if you don't mind, I would like to do a little bit of a track by track with you. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Okay, excellent. We're going to play a little bit of clips of each one of these songs. Uh, this is usually we do these shows in anticipations of them being released, but it is currently out right now. You can get this now, and I encourage you to do that. So let's kick off side one with the track continuing. There was something we'd 
thoughts on continuing as you mentioned earlier it's it's a um it, i think it's a very strong choice as an opener and it's got um it's got a um the, the sort of uh, the music leading into the track um has you hooked straight away it's like an unusual sound yeah i i mean i and it's got a really good chorus I, it's one of my favorite tracks and it's a very strong opener i agreed lyrically what do you think of it I like it. I, I think it, it's not, it's unlike many, you know, it, it's quite an unusual song for him in, in, in some regards. Um, and um, it, it shows, I guess, where he was uh, in this particular time in his life. It's, it's, it's a different style to perhaps how he wrote earlier. I don't know if you agree, but that, that's how it sounds to me. I've always had this thought that Mike's trying to tell the same story over and over again sometimes. Yeah. I think that artists will do that. Like some artists will paint the same picture over and over again, even though it looks radically different. They're trying to work something out. And I think that a lot of themes that Michael dealt with, you know, you can say, well, this is just, it's just a song. You know, some people say, well, what's this song about? Oh, about two minutes and 32 seconds, right? <laughs> but the thing is, is that not all songs have to be autobiographical or mean something. But this is that kind of thing where Mike's, dealing with a relationship again and he often has this seemingly same relationship that he's working out over a long time almost like you could make a musical out of several of the songs yeah that michael did because they have these continuing themes and i think every artist has a fingerprint or a footprint that indicates this is who i am and this song is definitely 100 percent michael nesmith for sure but a, a really good track. It's it's not the most um, upbeat song. You know, a lot of people think that an album has to punch you upside the head to get your attention, but... But it's got a killer guitar, uh, uh, um, uh, Red Rhodes um, pedal steel guitar going all the way through it, which I, I love that sound. Oh, fantastic. He's such a talent. Yeah, definitely, definitely great stuff. I think that for fans who might only know Michael Nesmith as a member of the Monkees or maybe Cruisin' or something like that, this is an album of, that's a bit more mature than all of that stuff in so many ways. That's right, yeah. But then that takes us to track two, Some of Shelley's Blues. about 
track two, Some of Shelley's Blues. And as we know, Some of Shelley's Blues was originally completed by Michael Nesmith in Nashville in 1968. While still a member of the Monkees, it appears on Ranch Stash in a newly recorded version at the time. It was originally written to be a potential Monkees release. Some of Shelley's Blues was also recorded previously by the Stone Ponies and the nitty-gritty dirt band on their 1970 album, Uncle Charlie and His Dog Teddy. Glenn, what are your thoughts on some of Shelley's blues? It's obviously one of those songs that he kept returning to throughout his career, and it's, it's, it's got some of his best lyrics, and it's a great song. Uh, it, it seems that he was never 100% satisfied with it, and, and he kept recording new versions of it. But I, I, I'm yet to hear a bad version. I love, I love all the versions that he's done of it, including this one. It is very weird. You know, usually yeah. there's a lot of songs that one version shines out, stands out so much above the others. But this one, it, there's something about each version. Seriously. Yeah. I guess that kind of goes back to what I said, an artist trying to paint the same painting over and over and over again. Right. So he's yeah, yeah. still trying to work something out here. Uh, it's a great, great version for sure. I think I'd be hard pressed to to pick my favorite version of that song though. Yeah, because they're all they're all good. Yeah, it's very bizarre. You know, you you don't often get that from an artist reworking their material. Yeah. So we've got track three on release. Let's play a little bit of that right now. Track three, Glenn, your thoughts on release? Well, I think this is, as you mentioned earlier, this is real country. And it, it, it's sort of real country as I know it uh, from, you know, not the modern country, but, you know, at the time. And um, but again, it, it's different to uh, the, the kind of song that he might have recorded just three or four years earlier or, or his first national band recordings. And again, it's, it's got, uh, it's, you know, it's got like a sadness about it. I don't know, it's, it's a very sort of emotional song, and um, I think it's a very, very strong song, uh, and it, it fits well into the album. Agreed. I love the lyrics. Uh, this, I'll read this one package. And don't let fear hold back the tears if you feel that's the way that it needs to be. Walking down halls with echoing walls, the past looming small. Again, is another thing that Michael, another theme that Michael plays with or uses or utilizes. In the song Different Roads and things like that, there's there's all these different songs he writes where he talks about don't let the critics pull you down, don't let the past trap you. I think that this is a very strong song, one that I actually enjoy a lot. Another song that I really love is track four, Winona. Yeah.
their whiskey on her So she takes to the taverns to take some company Glenn, what are your thoughts on Winona? And again, it's possibly the most commercial-sounding uh, song on the album, uh, but again, it, it's a real country killer tune. You know, it, you could hear that being a country hit if it was um, pushed as a single, which it wasn't. I think I might be wrong. Um, but um, probably my favorite track on the album. What do you think about the uh, theme of the song? Well, it, it's um, it's obviously about a, a woman who um, who takes to the bottle and drinks too much, and um, it tells a story. Again, it's it's like one of those storytellers that get, that gets you hooked, you know. It's definitely a classic song. I'd love to hear like Willie Nelson take a stab at this. You yeah, know what I mean, exactly. I'm gonna read some of the lyrics. Winona, the whiskey owns her, so she takes to the taverns to take some company. Winona, nobody's shown her that barrooms are a prison and whiskey is no key. That's pretty heavy duty. That's some serious, great crafting songwriting there. Yes. Great A stuff. Uh, the song Winona marked the first time Michael co-wrote a song with collaborating songwriters since the Monkey's song, The Kind of Girl I Could Love, featured on the album More of the Monkeys. So there's a little bit more of the historical kind look at things uh so far it's been a very strong album wouldn't you say before we flip it over well yes i mean i think that whole side one is incredibly strong um and um obviously there's there's the um the other song on on well it starts really strong on side two as well you you, you can take it to that if you like if you'd like to start with side two ken well it's time to flip it over and if it's sunny out where you are, it's remember turn before you burn. So let's flip over side two. Here we are with Born to Love You. This is a really strong song. Uh, I think it's interesting that at the end it kind of speeds up and does some weird stuff, but <laughs> Yeah. And it is Mike basically doing his best Patsy Klein kind of a thing. Well it was, it was written by Cindy Walker and it was first released by Jimmy Newman. Um, and it's been covered by, um, you know, it's been covered by blue bluegrass bands as well. But Nesmith really he puts his own style to it. And um, and again, Red Roads, uh, re really really good on the uh, slight pedal steel guitar. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, this one's a really good one. Let's play a little bit of that right now. strong song one of my favorites on the album 
you know, Mike often would do these songs that would kind of catch you by surprise, you know. And this yeah. is one of them. Uh, I really dig this one. Up next is on side two, track two, which is track six on the CD. If you're playing along at home, the medley, the back porch, and a fruit jar full of iced tea. And it's got two subsections, if you will. The first one is the FFV and Uncle Pen. So if you're playing along, this is two songs for the price of one in this little medley we have here. What are your thoughts on this one? Again, we, so we're back now to, to Nesmith being the storyteller. And he, he, the medley begins with him telling a, a wonderful story. And then he goes into bluegrass, sort of real bluegrass, the FFV versus the, the I think that stands for the, the Fast Flying Virginian. Yes. Which is a passenger train. Um, and uh, been covered by several bluegrass bands. And the next one, Uncle Penn, which is part of the medley, uh, written by Bill Monroe. Um and again, a, sort of a, a bluegrass um, classic. So you get all these different styles on, on side two, which is really fascinating. Yeah, it takes you by surprise because you go straight from the, the Cindy Walker track into bluegrass. Agreed. It's actually kind of a sad and chilling story about poor George and the FFV, the swiftest on the line. I often try to think of what someone who is new to this album is going to be thinking for the first time. Like, do you realize there are people that have never heard this album that are Monkees fans that might listen to this show? Yeah. But this is the first time they'll actually have access to some of these tracks outside of seeing Michael or, you know, getting yeah. a big box set or something. But this is, this is going to be new to a lot of people out there. And I think it's going, to, I almost would love to see their faces as they listen along. Yeah. And again, what's um, what's different about Side 2, of course, is that none of the songs were written by Nesmith on Side 2, whereas all of them were written by him on Side 1. Here on this reissue, we do have a bonus track, Marie's Theme on Side 2, which, of course, was written by him. But on the original issue, all the, all the tracks on Side 2 were written by uh, other people, and which is why it gives you these different different kind of styles. Wow. I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. So there's this sort of a two very different sides. This is Michael Nesmith, and you are listening to Zilch. Up next on the CD track seven on the album, uh, side two, track three, is The Prairie Lullaby. Shadows Down the prairie trail 
thoughts on this one again I, I i seem to remember hearing the original version of this by i can't remember who covered it but it it fits in well after the um the two bluegrass tracks bluegrass medley rather it sits really nicely in there it's a nice it's a nice song yeah a lot of people have covered this song um and um again nesmith brings his very own style to it this is unlike any other version i've heard of it uh, i've heard um I have heard bluegrass versions of it. I have heard, um, I've even heard sort of uh, easy listening big band versions of it. So it, it's it's been covered by a lot of people, including someone that's going to be doing some work with Seven A, right? Yeah, uh, Paul Young, uh, who you might know, uh, had a lot of hits in the eighties, and he's still going strong. And we we we're going to bring out an album by him, and he's got a, um, it's like a uh, almost like a Mexican type band called the. Uh, Los Pecaminos, and they've done a version of Prairie Lullaby, so it's been covered by so many people. Wow, it, it really does all fit together, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is how the album is finished proper, with Prairie Lullaby. But 7A wouldn't be 7A without a bonus track, and uh, <laughs> here we have the bonus track, track 8, Marie's Theme, the alternate version. Let's play a little bit of that right now. Her only remark was a closing remark That one sometimes hears between friends She began to emerge without speaking a word Into something quite different from him For it seemed she would start Glenn, what are your thoughts on Marie's theme? So this is not a recent sort of alternate take or remix or anything like that. This is the original. This is one that Nesmith would have recorded uh, and mixed personally uh, back in 1973. And obviously considered, uh, you know, including it on the album, but for some reason didn't. Um, but we've got it here. And it's nice to be able to include it. This is one of my favorite Nesma songs, seriously. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, it is so good. And 
I love that line, just hidden behind all the logic one finds without truth. Yeah. Well, and that, that line has stuck out to me so many times yeah. that uh, that is really what's wrong with a lot of what's going on with our world. is a lot of people formulating logic without truth. Yeah. The logic that you'll find without truth. Just think about that, folks. Uh, don't want to get all philosophical here on the Zilch podcast, but these lyrics are really deep and uh, definitely worth their weight here. And so, I actually so think, I, I know it wasn't on the original album, and it's, only, it's a bonus track here, but I actually think that it's a very nice way to round off the album. It just, you round off the album with one of Nesmith's own compositions and possibly one of his best tracks. Right. So for people who are maybe hearing some of this album for the first time, this is an important part of the Michael Nesmith story. And this is where Michael found himself questioning where to go from here after this album. But this album is very essential in the Michael Nesmith catalog. Excellent job on the 50th anniversary. And uh, as Mike says with his little wink there, buy this record or CD or whatever. But yeah, Mike's hypnotizing you with the winking eye. And I also just wanted to mention that it does include, the, the package does include Michael Nesmith's original liner notes that he wrote for the uh, original release when it came out. And... um I read it several times and I still don't understand what he's talking about. Although it's very clear that he's he's not quite sure where to go from here, which right. is what you just mentioned. Um, and I love I love the way Nesmith writes. You know, <laughs> it's um, he's like ranting and talking about <laughs> everything really. And it's just um, it's one long sort of you know, it's one long. Um, Stream of consciousness soliloquy. Exactly. He's basically put all his, his thoughts down on paper at the same time. You almost get this feeling that this was the last shot for this chapter. Yeah, and that's probably how he felt. But, you know, as we all know, he went on to do great things after this. Yeah. But um, he obviously didn't, obviously couldn't have known that at the time. Yeah. Great stuff. Hello, this is Peter Mills. I'm the author of the book, The Monkeys, Head and the Sixties, which is the first in-depth study of their 1968 movie. It looks at the history of the band right from their beginnings in 1965, right through their success, the movie, the seventies comebacks. The book also looks at the 33 and a third TV special, the Monkeys MTV revival, a lizard sunning itself on a rock, all the way through to 2016's Good Times. The book is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and no doubt other online stores, and is also available as a Kindle download. Check out The Monkeys, Head, and The Sixties. Hey, citizens of world, this is Andy Partridge of XTC. You're listening to my dulcet tones on Zilch. So we are big fans of the work that you do here. We feel that we are part of it along with all the fans that are out there all the people who buy these albums you can't help but feel that you're part of 7a in some level you know what i mean uh it's this is a very personal company in the sense that you're doing things that nobody else would do you're doing things that reach these markets and these fans that are hungry for this i'd like to play with your permission a song from a band that you recently put out, and no, it's not the Monkees, and I've talked about them on the show, but a band called the Lemon Sherberts. Oh, yes, sure, yeah. Would you like to pick a track? 
the Between Two Smiles is probably my favorite track uh, on the album, but you know, it, it, it's got it's got a lot of uh, great songs on there. This is that jangly power pop, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if you're a fan of the Monkees, I think this is something that you might dig. So if you're looking for some great new music in 2023, I point you in the direction of the Lemon Sherberts. Glenn, intro that song and click that button. Well, this next song is by the Lemon Sherberts. It's called Between Two Smiles. It's great power pop. Distances between two smiles You're never alone when you're smiling From up here we can see four miles I told you the hills were worth climbing Baby, you've been looking tired lately Honeybee The closest distances between two smiles You're never alone when you're smiling Forget the fashion and the just cut the cake and start filing Baby, the bars are driving you crazy So that is the Lemon Sherberts. So as 7A continues to expand and become bigger, you've had some really cool stuff as of late happen. For example, Macy Gray. Yeah, very grateful to be able to uh, to, to work on that album. And again, I, I personally think Macy is a great um, singer. And this is possibly one of her best albums. And uh, it wasn't available on vinyl, and I thought, why not? Why don't we do a nice reissue on vinyl and CD? Put all the lyrics, include all the lyrics and um, extensive liner notes, and bring it back out there. And it's been really well well received. You know, um, it's most of our releases are monkeys related, but we do do the occasional releases that aren't. And um, it's great to see that a lot of monkeys fans have supported us and bought the Macy Gray album and the Lemon Sherbets. Um, and we hope that continues because every title we bring out, um, you know, helps to pay for the next release. Um, and that's still very much the case. So even if um, even if it's not necessarily a Monkeys related album, it might help pay for the next Monkeys related album, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. It makes perfect sense. I think that it's great that you guys are expanding in so many ways. 
this will lead to more opportunities for 7A, which will lead to more opportunities for us getting more of what we love from 7A. So it's, to me, a win-win-win-win-win. So all good for me. That's great. I mean, we have, we've been working on some of these deals for a very long time. I mean, it's, you don't just sort of write to somebody and, and you get the rights the next day. I mean, in some cases, like the Macy Gray, uh, it's taken almost a year, you know, since the initial email um, to be able to then finally release it. So, it, it, you know, it takes a long time to, to bring these albums out. And um, it's just nice to see it all come together in the end and to see it being so well received. Now, we mentioned Paul Young earlier in the show. And, of course, you know, if you know Paul Young, it might be from uh, the uh, the great cover of Hall & Oates, great song, Every Time You Go Away, yeah, Come Back and Stay is another huge song for him. He had a lot of great songs stateside as well. Yeah, I think Every Time You Go Away, if you go on, on it's probably one of the most streamed um, 1980s hits on, on, on Spotify. I looked in the recently, it's millions and millions of streams. So it's cool that he's going to become a part of the stable here at 7A Records. A, a great artist, again, that in my opinion, has never made a bad album. All of the albums that he did, I think, are great. And he had a career with Columbia Records in the 1980s and, and 90s. And we are reissuing an album called The Crossing, uh, which came out in uh, 1993. So it's uh, the 30th anniversary. And again, it's one of those, it wasn't available anywhere when I looked. I couldn't buy it on CD, I couldn't buy it on vinyl. And then I did a bit more digging, and I found out that nobody's ever reissued it since 1993. Yet it's one of his best albums. And it, it was critically acclaimed. It was well received at the time. So why it hasn't been reissued, God knows. But I'm very happy to be able to do it and do it justice. And Paul has been wonderful. We did a long interview about the release with him. And we remastered everything. Uh, we included all the lyrics. And he was able to send us lots of pictures from his own personal collection that we could include in the in the booklet. So, um, yeah, a very nice guy, Paul Young. and very excited to be able to reissue The Crossing, which is coming out. Uh, in June. So I'm looking at some of the things that are happening as far as 7A releases. Like, for example, Peter Tork's uh, album is pretty much sold out on vinyl, right? We only did a limited pressing because the uh, the issue that, you know we sometimes have is it's very difficult to know how many to press. Right. Especially if you have um, if you have an EP. You know, me as a fan myself, I'd want to buy the EP, but some people might not even know what EP means. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and some people will say, you know, why why are you charging nearly the same for four songs when uh, as you do for a full album? But the, the, uh, the answer is um, it costs nearly the same to produce a vinyl EP as it does to do a full album. Right. So, you know, the produ production costs are the same. So we can't just sort of make it a half price. We'd lose money, literally. We, um, um, so, but all we had here was four tracks. We didn't have any more recordings we could add to it. So we felt either we issue it just with the four tracks or we don't do it at all. And, you know, and, and being a fan, I felt the songs had to be out there. It, it was so nice to finally get a decent version of Peter Talk doing Vagabond John. Um, and, um, obviously the, the, the um, this stuff never gets old, which was, um, a song that might have been in good times, done for the, the good time sessions. And um, it just sort of deserves to be out there. And 
Um, he, he, we were working with Peter's estate on bringing this out, and they were wonderful. Um, very nice to be able to deal with them. And um, but to go back to your question, we, we we didn't know how many to press, and we think we got it just about right because although there aren't many left, if you go and look at the shops, it'll say they only got a few copies left. Nobody has yet said they haven't been able to get it. But things are getting close. So yes. if yeah. you want this, now's the time, folks. Now's the time. We are, I mean, we are, as a label, our warehouse, we are sold out of it. But I know that um, you can still get it. Amazon still have stock, you know, but we won't be able to ship them anymore. So if you want to get it now, it's really the time. So don't sleep on it, as the uh, the hip <laughs> people are saying nowadays. Uh, if it's something that you want and... You know, I really do believe that this stuff, you just couldn't get this stuff no more, to, to quote uh, Peter Tork, or paraphrase Peter Tork. Uh, you know, definitely this is this is something you want to grab. It's also a bit of a test, really, because we do have many other potential projects where there's not enough tracks for a full album. So what do you do? Do you just sit on them? Do you just take them online for digital? Or do you actually try and do something really nice with them for the collectors? And... Um, the fact that we've sold out of, of the Peter Talk EP um, bodes well because we, we might be able to do other things where previously unissued recordings will be issued as a limited release. Well, here is hoping. So now is the time where we turn the heat up on the griddle and we're going to slap you up on the griddle and put you in the hot seat. What can you tell us? What is potentially coming? What whispers are heard among the 7A headquarters? What is a potential release? We have a very exciting year with um, potentially releases almost every month. And uh, obviously they're not all monkeys related releases, but a lot of them are. So we've got, like I mentioned, we've got Paul Young coming out in June, uh, The Crossing. Then in July, we got Boys and Hearts. I wonder what she's doing tonight, uh, a re reissue of that album, which I think it's a wonderful album. It's a wonderful 60s album. And again, if you look online, it's not currently in print anywhere on CD or vinyl. And it's you know such a shame because it needs to be available. And we've been able to, to do a really good job, I think, on the mastering. So the, ma the mastering side of it sounds much better than it has done. And again, being able to include all the lyrics, which, by the way, the lyrics to that album, I, you know, you try to look online and try and find all the songs. That, they're not easy to find, and a lot of them aren't online. So um, we've finally been able to include all of the lyrics to the tracks, and I wonder what she's doing tonight, as well as that one has also got liner notes by Andrew Sandoval. Um, so that's in July. So we've got June, July, and then later on in the year, we've got, um, we've got a couple of, you know, two David Jones albums. Two. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what they are yet. Um, and um, <laughs> and but before that, we're probably going to we're going we're going to have a very exciting Mickey Dolan's project. Um, wow. Which um, is um, it's new material, it's new recordings. So uh, we ended 2022 with uh, Peter Tork. We've got Michael Nesmith here represented right now. Boyce and Hart coming up. Potential Mickey Dolans and not one, but two Davy Jones releases. So, wow, another great year in 7A coming up. So that's going to keep us busy. Um, again, uh, some of these we, we've been working on for more than a year. 
it's not like we snap our fingers and say tomorrow we'd like to bring out a David Jones album because it doesn't happen that quickly and it, it takes an awful lot of work to you know to tie up the contracts um, to to then the artwork phase where we normally you know we spend a lot of time on the artwork and finding the right pictures and um, getting the liner notes written and make sure we just include as much as we can so that's why it sometimes takes more than a year from from actually getting the idea to, to seeing it released and that's why sometimes two David Jones albums might come along at the same time rather than just one Wow, fantastic. Well, I know that you are grateful for all the listeners and all the fans that are out there and everybody over at the Zilch uh, Facebook page and all that stuff. I know that you're very grateful for everybody being part Absolutely. of this. Absolutely. And, uh, letting... Including yourself. Thank you so much oh, for everything you do. Thank you so much. Seriously, it's, it's great to be a part of this. Uh, our whole staff is behind uh, supporting 7A and getting the word out. We're glad to be part of this with you. Seriously, thank you for oh, all you've done for us as Monkeys fans. It's it's just been wonderful. There was a time when this stuff just would have been in a bin somewhere, who knows where, collecting yeah. dust. But now it's in our collections. Collecting dust, but at least it's ours. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, and it's really nice to be able to um, as a, as a fan myself to be able to do this and to be able to make these recordings available again. Um, because um, without mentioning any names, there are a lot of companies out there that are just sitting on rights and not doing anything with them, and um, you know, especially some of the major labels. And it is a travesty. You know, you want you know you want the music to be out there, not just on Spotify. You know, you want you know you want to go that extra mile and be able to bring something you know something special out. So if you've never purchased. Michael Nesmus, pretty much your standard ranch stash. This is the 50th anniversary available on gray vinyl and CD. Glenn, I want to thank you for being here with us, joining us again for a little bit of a mini round table. We kind of tossed it back and forth, but we we're giving everybody a chance to hear some of these songs. And like I said, this might be the first time for some fans out there. So if you're interested, Glenn's your hookup over at seven a. So Mickey Dolan's just finished his tour where he saluted headquarters and it was fantastic hopefully we will soon do a review show of that tour and look for more monkeys 101 the monkeys are also currently on axs tv check that out on friday nights so you never know where they'll be found <laughs> fantastic Thank you once again for coming in and being part of the show. You always have an open spot. You are a member of our Zilch staff as far as I'm concerned. Well, thank you so much, Ken. And um, uh, it's a real pleasure. And I want to say thank you to everybody for supporting us. It really means a lot. And we want to um, to keep this thing going. And um, we can't do it without you. So, so thank you so much. Well, thank you. We'll see you on the next episode of Zilch. Take care. Bye -bye. Speak soon. All right. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members, past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Tis only a podcast. <laughs>